falls around the Word of God, and uh, whenever you get the Word of God in your hand and, and you keep it there, uh, what you find out is uh, you build your life around this thing. It's not just, uh, Dr. Peacock, well, Brother Joe asked me to preach Friday night, and I uh, thought about that thing, thought about that thing, and I said, you know what's really wrong with most young people is they don't realize salvation is a way of life. It isn't, it isn't I, I became a Christian and I set my Christianity off to the side, uh, and I'll go do what I want to do. That is, not, that is not what you did. What I did when I got saved is I changed directions. I was on my way to hell. There's a heaven, there's a hell. I was over talking to my mom last night, and uh, she was really appreciative. Some people came over to visit her. She goes, they talk about you like you're a good guy. I'm like, well, that's a positive thing. That's positive. But they couldn't believe that you stuck me in this little bed. And I'm like, well, now we'll try to get you a bigger one. I'm going home. And uh, so I'm sitting there listening to her talking, and uh, we're going back and forth about some stuff, but... But when you, when uh, she realizes, she hasn't ever realized that Christianity isn't just some, I became uh, a Catholic. A Catholic thinks, well, I'm a Catholic. Well, no, 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 you're, you're saved or you're lost. One or the other, there's a heaven or hell. It's kind of hard. I told somebody, I said, it's hard to talk to somebody and tell them about hell. I was mentioning that to my mom without offending them. But there is, I mean, really when it's all said and done, it's heaven or hell. That's, that's really the bottom line. It's, it's basic right there. That's your baseline. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you're lost, you're going to hell. That's a choice. That's a choice everyone makes. There is, there is nothing else. So in life, it doesn't matter what you do or, or how you do it. If Jesus is in the thing, do it. Uh, the choice is we had a room full of young people. And what I noticed with a lot of young people, they, they're afraid to do something because they're afraid their mommy and daddy's going to get mad at them. And really what the whole thing you need to boil that thing down to is what did the Lord tell me to do and am I going to do that? That's, that's really where it boils down to it. And I told him, I said, I didn't, when I joined the Navy, my whole family thought I was crazy. Well, maybe I was, I don't know. But I did it anyways because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I always wanted to join the Navy. I joined it. Uh, and the rest of my life was kind of, was kind of molded because of that decision right there. And then from there, I made another decision, another decision, and it got me to where I was going. In the end of that thing, I got a set of orders to PBI that sent me down there for three years to go to Bible college. All that stuff worked out, and here I am today, and people say, well, how did that happen? I made a choice. If you sit down and try to worry about what everybody thinks about what you're going to do, you'll never do nothing. That's what's wrong with young people today. They don't do nothing because they're... I've seen parents where they sit there and make so many rules for their kids that their kids are afraid to do anything because of all the rules. Well, I can tell you what, if you get a relationship with Jesus Christ, can that relationship guide them through this world? And that's really what you're looking at. So when we're in here in our Bible, what's wrong with most Christianity or most religions today is it's all a set of rules. Rules, 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 rules. You do this, do this, do this. And if you don't do that, and then kids are put off to the side, young people are put off to the side. Uh, and they're treated like, like they're not. But guess what? One of these days, that, that young person is going to become an adult. And that adult is your next generation in your church. And people say, well, our church is dying. Have you ever figured out or wonder why they're dying? It's because you don't have anybody in the church that's growing. You don't have anybody in the church that even knows what they're there for. I know exactly what I'm here for. I know exactly what I, I, I could go back in my life and every decision I made from 1980 up to now, I know exactly why I made that decision and why it got me to the place I'm at right now and who it was that told me to make that decision. Uh, before 1980, I was kind of lost and tossed it to and fro back through the whole world up to 22. 
trying to figure the thing out, trying to understand exactly what God wanted, or, or is there a God, or is, once you figure out there's a God, I have a problem with people who will not follow him. You do not really have an option. You do know that, right? I mean, there's no option. You can do whatever you want, but one of these days you're going to stand before him at the white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ, depending on if you're saved or lost. You know, if you're saved, you'll go to the judgment seat of Christ. You'll look at him and he'll say, why'd you waste your life? That's exactly what that thing's going to be. You wasted your life. You wasted your life. Oh, no, I had fun. No, you wasted your life. In eternity, all that matters is what I did in this little short period of time called life. That's it. In eternity out there. Now, we're talking forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Not 60, 70, 80 years. Young people, the hardest thing for you to ever do is get the grasp on eternity. Your life is not eternal, by the way. Uh, I still remember when I was 16, Steve cut his finger. Terrible, man. He shows me a picture. I'm like, yep, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Uh, I had my hands split open all the way back through here and cut here and cut here uh, all at one time to them try to fix that. And you talking about throbbing, I, I, can, I feel your pain, brother. I, I mean, it hurt. That's just a fingertip. My whole hand was cut open. And I mean, it throbbed like you wouldn't believe. That was at 16. I still remember it. When he showed me his finger yesterday, I, I could feel it. I'm like, ah, ooh, ooh, I remember that. Uh, 16. Now that's, I'm, I'm 65. Uh, I'll be 65 in November. Uh, that's almost 50 years ago. And it's gone like that. You know what the problem is? At 16, I didn't think I'd ever, I didn't think I'd ever draw Social Security. Man, I've been drawing Social Security for three or four years. This is cool, man. Three years, something like that. Two years, two and a half, three, whatever. Last, uh, a February, somewhere back there. Beth. Well, if I'm going to be 65 this year, uh, when I turned 62 that February, I, so I'm almost three years into drawing Social Security. I never thought, everybody, there ain't going to be no Social Security when I get there. You get there, it's going to be nothing. Hey, I've been drawing for three years. This has been cool, man. I like it. People say, you ought to wait till you're 65. I ain't waiting at all because it might not be there when I'm 65. But, but you, can't, you can't keep saying, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. Waiting, just, time flies, man. And you never get that thing back. A second goes. So the churches out there, they, they mistake this Bible, and I think they've hurt our young people terribly because they're sitting there, and the young people are sitting there trying to figure out what to do. I'll tell you what to do. You do what Jesus tells you to do. You, you start learning. You learn how to pray. You learn how to talk to God and get the answer. And you know what God will do? He'll, I had a young girl come up to me and say, you know, I preached Wednesday night or Thursday, Friday night, and she came and said, I did exactly what you said, and it worked. She goes, it did. A big old smile on her face. And she was going through some tribulation and turmoil in her life, and I knew what was going on. And she goes, I did exactly what you said. She goes, you know, I never felt comfortable about that, what I was going to do. I did, it just didn't feel right. And she goes, I knew I shouldn't do it, and I, I just couldn't overcome it. And she did, and, and she's just as happy as she could be now. You know what you got to do? That small, still voice, this is where it starts. There's a small, still voice inside of you that says, do this. And it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It could be eat ice cream or don't eat ice cream. <laughs> I have a problem there. I still have a problem discerning that right there. But, but, but there's other things. This week was terrible for me. Uh, I mean, oh. Dr. Peacock is supposed to be this super, super duper eat only the right thing kind of guy. So we go to IHOP on the way to the airport. And brother, he gets this plate of Stinking eggs and bacon and sausage and and no uh, yeah there was sausage there was everything on there, and and hash browns, 
and it comes with three pancakes. And he orders two more on top of that. I'm sitting there going, whoa, what kind of example are you setting for me? So I ordered the same thing. <laughs> and I, I, you know what I realized is the sugar, man. I, 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 was, I was wore out yesterday by the time I got home. I think it's the sugar. It's, uh, you know, because I haven't had it in so long. And all of a sudden, but this week was bad, the whole thing. But anyways, now back to this. Your, your walk with Jesus Christ is so crucial that what will happen is the, you will start reading this book and you'll superficially go across the book and somebody will say something and then you'll try to apply what they just said and it don't work and you try to figure out how in the world does that work. Genesis to Revelation has to match. It has to lay out. If you come across anything in there that doesn't match, you better stop what you're reading and say, wait a second, that don't make no sense. I don't care who says it, whether I say it, I don't care who says it. If, you, if it doesn't make sense to you, there's that small, still voice inside your head saying, don't latch on to that thing quite yet. Because there's something you're missing. There's something you're missing. A lady got, a lady got kicked out of... Uh, the, uh, she was a, a stewardess on one of the airlines, I think it was American Airlines or something, and she just got a $5.1 million lawsuit filed for her, uh, she won, because they fired her over the abortion issue. And I was thinking, nah, she's probably, I said, I wonder what it was, so I started reading the story. And she, she was against abortion. And they fired her because she was against abortion. And the judge ruled in her favor saying, you can't do that, that's her freedom of speech. What has happened is, is a few people got out there and they start doing this and they're promoting a lie and people are believing a lie. Well, brethren, in churches, people promote lies too. They may think it's the truth, but it's not the truth. We're going to look at something right here. It's called, it's called Calvinism. Calvinism is, is a uh, John Calvin in his day. I have to give him credit. Uh, them guys used to sit back and they would go to school in the morning or go wherever and study and they had candles. They'd light their candles and they'd study in the morning. They'd, during the day, they got sunlight at nighttime. They'd have to have candles or lanterns or whatever to study. Uh, they had limited amount of material they could do. Wherever they went, they got the material the best they could. Uh, we sit here with everything in our fingertips and still ain't got it. Because this world is sitting here saying, oh, you got to work. You got it. And you do. I'm telling you what, you don't work, you shouldn't eat. You should work. Work is a good thing. Work is not a four-letter word. Work is not bad. I, I've done all kinds of stuff. My dad was a master plumber. He taught me how to work when I was a kid. Work don't matter. It's filthy. Work is filthy. Work is filthy. That's a, it's a terrible thing, I'm telling you. I wish we could all be born rich. You just aren't that way. Uh, and you got to work. But when it comes to that, studying your Bible has to be the same way. Uh, Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Rebecca's got a couple kids in her womb. And this is how easy the thing could get messed up. She's got a couple kids, and as she's sitting there getting ready to have these children, uh, she didn't know exactly what was going on. She wasn't sure. Uh, they, uh, the children strove inside her womb, and uh, she couldn't uh, find the thing out. Let me go back to that verse. I want to maybe we ought to hit that verse real quick and then slide right on through. Two, 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 twenty-five, four. I'll move back. Right there, 23, verse 23. Genesis 25, I mean 26, that's why it didn't look right. Uh, and the, uh, Verse 23, and the Lord, uh, verse 22, and the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? Why are they fighting? And, but she had never been pregnant before, so she wouldn't know anyways. And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, 
And two manners of people shall be separated, separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elders shall serve the younger. And when her days uh, to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red uh, all over uh, like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that, his brother uh, came out his brother and his hand took hold on, his, on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when uh, she bare them. Father, thank you again for your blessings. Bless the morning service and bless the Sunday school lesson. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvin, John Calvin, comes back to this section right here. And, and they read some stuff. And, and he says, Esau, go over to, uh, in, in Romans, he said, uh, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. And, and, he, and he comes up with this thing of election. Election. Uh, and it's really called tulip, uh, the, and they make fun of them. It's amazing when churches come up with stuff or religions come up with stuff, they make an acronym for it. Everything has to be acronyms. Tulip, tulip stands for total depravity, uh, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace. Uh, if you think you got ir irresistible grace, you got a problem there. And perseverance of the saints, that's about the only one I think I believe in right there. Uh, you have to persevere some, sometimes, it's, it's really rough. But Calvin, when he read that thing, he, he, he goes back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. Back before anything ever happened, that in, in back before time started, that God eternally elected people to get saved. And that's a lie. That's, that's messed up more people than you can ever imagine. The, the, the verses that he uses, and he goes to this passage right here to do it, is, and he or uses this as part of that. And he says, Esau, see, God hated Esau. They were in the womb. They were alive. I mentioned this last time. Those kids were alive. That Now you start getting into abortion. What did God say? Here's where you're going to have a problem in this world. What does God say? I don't care what the world says. Uh, the world could say whatever they want. A young man come up there and try to uh, get me to talk him into going in the military. I was talking him out. Dr. Peacock just got done with a message trying to talk you out of being a Navy SEAL, going through the BUDS program, and how the instructors would come through there and try to talk you out of being a Navy SEAL. Uh, because if you ain't got what it takes, you're not going to cut it anyways. They said 8% of the people make it, so out of 100, 8 make it, 92 don't. Uh, you're probably going to be one of the 92. So this kid wants to go in the military, and he comes up and asks me, so I want to do this. And I said, well, I think you're stupid to start with. I said, but, but I said, have you prayed about it? Mm -hmm. I said, are you saved? He goes, yes. I said, have you prayed about it? I said, I'm going to tell you the truth. I got through. I said, Dr. Peeker was a captain in the Jacksonville Police Force. He got through. I haven't mentioned Brother Barry. I said, he was a policeman. He got through. I said, you can get through. I said, but you better make sure. You talk to some of these guys who weren't saved when they got into this thing, they'll tell you don't do it or be very careful. I'm going to tell you when I went in the Navy, I was saved. I knew I was saved, and I was doing something that I think the Lord wanted me to do, and I did it. I didn't have a problem with it. But if you go do something because of this or this, you can bet your bottom dollar somewhere down the road you're going to pay for that thing. Well, that kid then goes and talks to Dr. Peacock trying to get him to agree with him. And to come to find out, I talked to his pastor, which I went to school with. He and his dad, then I talked to his dad. His dad told him he was nuts. I told him he was nuts. Dennis Miles told him he was nuts. And Dr. Peacock, he said, you just need to pray about it, brother, and do the right thing. Uh, however, he said, I don't want to say he said he was nuts. But uh, all of us said the same thing. You know what that is? That's that small, still voice constantly telling you, don't do this. 
don't do this. Don't do this. And you know what we do? We do it. And then we wonder why things turn out bad. And brother, you can sit here and look at this stuff. You start reading your Bible and the Lord tells you when people, I think when they start getting into this kind of stuff, you're reading your Bible and you're going, I don't understand that verse. You know, if you don't understand that Esau and two nations are in your womb, first of all, they're not babies and she doesn't really have nations in her womb. She has two men and it's called prophecy. God is making a prophecy about two little babies in a lady's womb. You know what that does? Prophecy proves the Bible's the word of God. Has nothing to do with it. Election had nothing to do with it. If the election was true, then before the foundation of the world, everything was settled and it's going to happen just like that no matter what. No, that's not the case. What happens is God's at this end of the thing and he's looking back on it and he's writing a book and telling you what's happening. And what's going to happen, because in, as far as he is concerned, it already has. He knows exactly what's going to take place. I don't understand how he does that totally. I know that he's, he's all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. I got all that. The, the only way I can ever uh, even try to explain that the best I can is this is a time bubble, although it's square. I know bubbles are round, but this is a time square. <laughs> and God created this thing, and he's outside of it. So he can look on either side of this thing and tell you what's going to happen in this thing. And he looks in this thing and he sees Mike in here. And he said, Mike, guess what? On the back porch in Louisville, Kentucky, in 1980, you're going to trust me as your Lord and Savior. I didn't make you do that. You're just going to do that. He knows exactly who the last person is that's going to get saved on this planet. But you know what that does? That, if you take Calvinism as what they're saying, you won't go out and tell nobody. You won't go pass a track out. You won't do anything because it's just going to happen whether you want it or not. That's a lie. It's not going to just happen. Total depravity. This asserts, this is what John Calvin says. What are the five points? You need to understand some of this stuff. So as you're going through your Bible, you understand some things. Total depravity asserts that as a consequence of the fall of man into sin, every person is enslaved to sin, which I think we are. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I think we're depraved. I don't think we're totally depraved. Uh, people are not only are not by nature inclined to love God, but rather to serve their own interests and reject the rule of God. Uh, I think that's true to a degree. But you still have this part of you inside, uh, your soul is still inside there, and it's still functioning and still talking. I think my spirit is dead when I was lost, uh, dead in my trespasses and sin. But he gave you this mind that you can reason, and you got a conscience, unless you seared the thing. You have this conscience sitting inside of you. So you see something, and you go, man, that don't make no sense. That don't make no sense either. So you're not totally depraved. Uh, we are depraved. I think I was pretty depraved as a kid, uh, but I wasn't totally depraved. Today, they are. I think there's some people actually totally depraved today. Uh, maybe John Calvin's stuff would work today. I don't know about that, but it didn't work back in my day. And it's, I still don't think it works. I'm just joking. But you're, talking, you're not totally depraved. Calvin says that. So you have no choice about whether you're going to get saved or you're not going to get saved. You're just going to do whatever happens. That's not true. It takes time. Our problem is time. Young people, the hardest thing you'll ever get in your life is that it takes time to correct some problems. It takes, it takes moments to make a problem. It takes time sometimes to correct it. And you've got to be able to just let it correct. You have to let it correct. If you don't let it correct, you're going to have a problem. You're sitting here, so totally depravity. Number one, T for TULIP. Unconditional election. A search that God has chosen from eternity those who will bring 
uh, to himself, uh, not based on foreseen virtue, merit, or, or faith in those things. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So that tells you right there it's starting to increase. Uh, your faith will come in there. Uh, or faith in those people. Rather, his choice is unconditional, grounded in his mercy alone. God had chosen from eternity to extend mercy to those he has chosen and to withhold mercy from those not chosen. That is the biggest lie you've ever seen in your life. That's not true. Uh, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever, that's anybody, for all have sinned, that's everybody. So when he includes everybody into these things, he's, he's sitting there doing that. Now, what I'm saying is what we've done to religion is we've made religion this thing where I'm a Calvinist and I'm, I'm a free will Baptist or I'm this kind of Baptist or I'm a Catholic or I'm a Methodist or I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Mormon. I'm a this. And then the rules that the church set up, you're no different than the Jews at that point back in the Old Testament. The, the rules that were set up, we're going to try to follow. And if we can follow those rules, we'll be okay. No, that's not true. The okay, all that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So everything that we go through in life is, is one little thing, one little facet to bring us to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And once we get to that knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know what you need to do? You need to start living that thing. It isn't that I'm living it to try to keep the, the golden rule, although I think you should. I don't think you should murder. I don't think you should steal. There's all kinds of things I don't think you should do. I don't think open sexuality is right. I, I like it today. Uh, Biden got turned down. He wanted uh, the school bathrooms to be set up for transgenders. I don't think they should. I mean, I think they should say transgender is wrong. I don't want to be, I don't, but see, that stuff started back with MASH. Everybody, oh, uh, MASH, man, you got to watch MASH. And Klinger was thinking of transgender. The guy wore a lady's dress. I think it was Klinger. Was it Klinger? Yeah, he was wearing dresses. Way back when. And then you go in uh, here, Andy Griffith, Andy Griffith, and, and, uh, uh, and what's-his-face was a faggot, uh, Jim Neighbors. So you sit there and look at all that stuff, and you say, well, what is this? What they're doing is they're bringing this, uh, Satan's doing that stuff little by little, a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. Stuff don't happen overnight. It don't go around. So uh, all this stuff is you're facing with, it's, you're not supposed to say, okay, I'm just going to live the rules, and then I can go do what I want. That has nothing to do with Christianity. That is not being a Christian at all. A Christian is somebody who finds Jesus Christ. Develop, you know what a marriage is? It's for better or worse. It's, it's, I'm telling you, man, I've been saved for 43 years, and the Lord hadn't got a good deal with me all the time. Uh, he, he took me like I was in 1980 on that back porch, and he's been working with me for 43 years. And he's still working on me. And I thank God he's still working on me. Uh, he knew what he was getting when he married me, <laughs> when he took me, when he saved my soul. He knew exactly what he was getting. Unconditional election. You're not unconditionally elected. You get saved when you find Jesus Christ and you have faith in him. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the word of God has to be promoted in your ears somewhere. You have to get it. Uh, I do not believe in easy believism. I don't believe somebody just gets somebody down on an altar somewhere and say, oh, say this sinner's prayer and you get saved. I don't believe that. I think salvation is something you know you did. Uh, and if you didn't come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you got a problem. Uh, you better make sure of that thing, man. I mean, 1985, I got down on my knees, and I made sure of that thing. I said, wait a second. I said, Lord, I said, in 1980, I didn't say on my back porch. I, I usually keep some gospel tracts here. I do. I did not say this. I did not even have a gospel track on that back porch with me. 
Admit that you are a sinner. I probably did that somehow. Be willing to turn from sin. I did that. I was willing to do that. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you and was buried and rose again the third day. I believe that. I believe that. I was a good Catholic. Uh, through prayer, invite Jesus into your heart to become your personal Savior. I didn't say that. I know I wanted to get saved. I know I wanted Jesus. I know that. I know that. Uh, here go. Pray this. Dear God, I am a sinner and need forgiveness. I, I believe if you can get somebody to say that and they really mean it, I believe they can get saved. Uh, I believe that Jesus uh, shed his precious blood and died for my sins. I believe that. I am willing to turn from my sin and invite, uh, and to invite Christ to come into my heart and uh, to be my personal Savior. I believe if you get somebody to say that and they don't believe it, they're lost. I don't care if they've said it a thousand times. They're lost. They're lost. Why? Because they never came to a personal conviction that they're lost. So how in the world could they possibly get saved? What's wrong with us is we try to promote religion as this fast thing. You do this, do this, do this, and you're in. Next, do this, do this, next. And then we want to go out and win everybody and get everybody in. And, and brethren, I'm telling you what, that's, we're, we're hurting people more than we are. You know what y'all do is just wait. And you know what Jesus said? He said, come follow me. Let the dead bury the dead. That seems pretty hard, doesn't it? I think it's one of the coolest things in the whole wide world when I read my Bible. I like that attitude. Come and follow me. No, I'm not. Well, that's fine. Rich young ruler come and say, hey, I've, I've kept all that since my youth. What do I need now? Go sell everything you got. Come follow me. Oh, all he's talking about is money. That's what the, the Lord don't need your money. He just built the universe. Why would he need your money? He doesn't need that. What it is, is it's a heart change. You got to let go of some stuff. I got down five years. I could take you to the couch. I almost, well, about 10 years ago, the couch was still in existence. The couch isn't in existence anymore. It may be. I had to find out. It could be. I doubt it, but it could be. Uh, I got down on my couch in Norfolk, Virginia, on the left-hand side with a fellowship track, all this I did for thee, and I flipped the back of that track open, and on the back of that track, it had the sinner's prayer. And for a while, up to maybe about a month or two before that, I had this little white angel on this side, and I had the little red guy on this side, and one was talking into this ear, and the other was talking into this ear, and it kept saying, you're lost. You're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're lost, you're saved, you're saved, you're lost. And I'd listen to preachers preach, and probably four or five years of listening to that stuff. I listened to that and listened to that and listened to that. I said, Lord, you know, I said, this thing keeps bugging me. And I, there really wasn't, just, I use that. But anyways, I was sitting there, so I got down on my bed, on my couch, in my living room, in that trailer. And I can still see myself right now getting down right there on that couch. And I'm, I'm there, and I'm sitting there, and I get this little thing, and I said, okay, the fellowship track says this. And I read the whole back of the track. I said, there, Lord, I'm saved. I said, no, not really. I said, I really think I got saved on that back porch in 1980. But, but I said this now. And you know what I did when I said that? What it did is it made me stop and think. What did you do on that back porch in 1980? I said, I got saved. I said, Lord, I really didn't know what I did on that back porch. My uncle told me what I did, but I didn't know what I really did. But that's really what I did. I had to come to a personal knowledge that that's what I did. That changed my life. You say, why would it change your life? Because now I know exactly what I did, when I did what I did, and nobody can talk me out of that. I got saved. I am a Christian. I'm a child of the king. Why aren't I acting like it? Why do I not do what God says do? Why do I keep wanting to do what this filthy, stinking world wants? Then I look at other people, and I'm like, well, why do you do the same thing? <laughs> Are you saved? <laughs> I tell you, I, I was telling them up there, a few people up there, I was a 19, 
probably 82, no, it couldn't be 82. It had to be 83 or 84, somewhere between 1985. I was out that satellite station, and, and when you go out from the satellite station, about three or four miles to the front of the base, and you go out the front of the base, and there's a road sitting there. I can still see there's a little white Baptist church sitting right there. Man, I can still see the thing. It's probably not there anymore, but, but and I'd go to that church from time to time uh, because I thought you should go to church. I was a good Catholic. Uh, I, I wasn't in part of any church yet. I, I was in Jack Hall, Dr. Jack Hall's church for a while, but never really a member of a church. I didn't know what to be. Uh, so I'd go sit in his church and be some old preacher there preaching. And, and uh, I remember one day that this old couple, man, I was, I was only 26, 27, and I watched them walk down the aisle, man. They walked down the aisle down here, and they both got down, old, old husband and wife. And I'm sitting there looking at things and, whoa, what is that, man? And I'm sitting there just, it's just as cool as anything. Just, I thought they were going to go down there and get married or something. I had no idea what they were doing. They've been living together forever. I have no, <laughs> I'm joking. But, but they come down there and then later on I said, what did they do? And, and they said they came down and got saved. I said, well, how long have they been in this church? Oh, they've been a member here forever. Well, the guy, as far as I know, was preaching the gospel. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, it just took them a long time to figure that thing out. And they both came down and got saved. I mean, they, they have maybe have made a profession before, but, but they knew right then and there. Oh, no, 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 no. You know what? You need to, I don't, I don't ever feel bad about that, getting saved. I was, I was witnessing one night, and I told, I told this story before. I was witnessing in Norfolk, and, and I was with this other guy who's, this guy right now, I'm going to tell you what happens. Here's what happens. You get so staunch in what you think you believe, and you, ain't, you do not have any Bible to back up what you believe, that will destroy you. So this kid, me and him go out, we're knocking on doors. I come to this one door, and this black lady, grandma, sitting there, sweet, sweet lady, sweet as she could be. And she said, oh, brother, she said, would you come in here? She goes, I'm saved. I know I'm saving. But my grandson is lost. He's on his way to hell. Could you tell him how to get to Jesus? So I preach at him for a while. And, 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 and he goes, wouldn't you like to get saved? He goes, yeah, I would love to get saved. I said, and the grandma, I mean, she's getting excited. She's just getting livid, man. I mean, she's like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So she has an ottoman, uh, a little bit smaller than this table, but not. A, I'm on one side. He's on this side. Uh, John Hansford's on this side, and the grandma's over there. And I, I sit there with the kid, and I said, now, do you believe that Christ died for your sins according to Scripture, buried and rose again third day? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. He goes, yes. I said, so what? So, well, you believe that you're a sinner? He goes, yes. I believe, you believe that Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago? He goes, yes. I said, you believe he died on a cross? Yes. I said, you believe he was buried? He goes, yes. I said, you believe he, was, he rose from the dead three days later? He goes, yes. I said, wait a second. I said, do you believe he's in heaven? He goes, yes. I said, well, you got everything you need to get saved. Let's get saved. I said, repeat after me. So I say, Father, I'm a sinner. Save me. And he don't say nothing. I'm like, hey, hey, watch this. Let me, I slow down. Man, slow down. Maybe I'm going too fast. People do tell me I talk fast. I said, Father... Lord Jesus, you said that you died on the cross at Calvary to save my soul. Please save my soul. He didn't say nothing. Grandma's looking at him like, are you going to say nothing? John Hanscher's like, somebody's going to get saved. Ah." I said, hey, I said, he goes, I've already done that. I'm like, you'll do what? He goes, yeah, I've already done that. I said, did you believe it? He goes, yeah, I believe that. I said, did you really believe that? I said, yeah. I said, well, then you're saved. I said, I ain't going to recap you, man. I said, you're saved. Hanscher got mad. Because I didn't win him to Christ because he just wanted to go out and tell somebody somebody got saved. That guy, year, a couple years later, got locked up for pedophilia. You know what it was? He could not, could not grasp the truth. 
Why would you want to destroy somebody's faith in Jesus Christ? Now, down the road somewhere, in fact, he had he said, you know, man, that preacher was talking to me, and, and I, I did that before, and I really had confidence, but I don't know if that really, and he got saved again. I don't care. But at that point right there, I'm not going to destroy his faith in Jesus Christ. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, he, it's his. It's his. It's not mine. Hansford didn't care. That grandma, man, when she heard that, she was livid. She was excited. She goes, I didn't know that. You say, what is that? That's God showing you something right there. I didn't know my dad was saved, but he was. You know what Calvinism will do? It says, oh, all you have to do is do this. And what people will do, and some of our Baptist churches do the same thing. Well, if I just do this, this, I'm okay. No, you're not. If you do not do what God says do and do it out of the right heart, you're not okay. And one day you'll stand before Jesus Christ and give account of that thing. He tells me all, people say, Mike, why do you do what you do? Well, because I read my Bible. That's all I do is I just read my Bible. I read it twice a year. I, I get everything out of this book. I, um, me and Doc was talking. He goes, he goes, Brother Ellie, he goes, you need very little help. Uh, yeah, I'm all, <laughs> I have to think about that now. Was it that no amount of help will help you? <laughs> or, or you are doing the right thing? I don't know. I have to, I'll maybe have to get him to clarify that. But, but anyways, you know, you read your Bible. Honestly, if you read this book and you're honest, He's going to show you little things. And the little things will actually blow up into bigger things eventually. But he'll show you little things. And if you're not going to do the right thing with the little things, you won't do nothing with the big things. What's wrong with everybody today, and I'm so sick of watching people do this across this country, they want to get the big, deeper doctrinal stuff. And they don't want the basic things. You know what I'd rather hear? I'll tell you honestly what I'd rather hear. I've got Greek, three years of Greek and a year of Hebrew. i got all that stuff. I had a brother sitting there in that camp meeting, or that number one camp meeting, it's a youth camp. Uh, but he was sitting there. We went to buy, we graduated the same year. We were in the same class, and we're both here. There's only two or three of us left, and he's the one. He's the one that's left. And I was just saying, brother, what a blessing it is to be able to see you here. And we sit there and talk for him. He's got some health issues going on. But in school, that guy was smarter than me. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with that. But you know what I knew? I knew I was saved back when I was going through Bible college, and so did he. What happened to everybody else? Where are they at today? Oh, well, the Lord got a, or the devil got a hold of them. Why? Why is that? Why didn't you just pick up a book and do what the Bible says for you to do? Not what, you know what I found out? Well, so-and-so did this, and I just, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Judas Iscariot did what he did, too, and Jesus didn't quit. I mean, everybody hated Paul, and he didn't quit. John got, they say, boiled in oil. He didn't quit. You know what you do? You read this thing. You don't work, you don't eat. Okay, now I got to work. My daddy taught me that. I knew that before I even got saved. I knew that before every started reading the Bible that you got to do that. If you're going to eat, you know how you put gas? Gas is $5 a gallon. Okay, who cares? Well, some of y'all might care. I don't really care. Uh, if I want to go somewhere, I'll go put gas in my car and I go. If I don't want to go, I don't put gas in the car and I stay at home. I don't care if it's $100 a gallon. I'll hitchhike. No, I won't hitchhike, man. Last time I hitchhiked, I got picked up by a faggot. I ain't going to do that again. Now, that, was, I, that was an experience, man. I, that guy is, I never met one. Don't ever tell me homosexual people are just normal. They are not. They're, they got an agenda. And I tell you what, brother, we, I don't care. I got members in my family or close to my family that are claimed to be homosexuals. They are deviates. They're deviates. I'm not afraid to say that. They're deviants. There's problems. And when they get in positions of authority, I think, I think Disney, I could be all wrong. 
I think Disney is ran by homosexuals. And that's why they're making the rules they're making. I think a lot of these big corporations, homosexuality has moved up into there. It can't be. Why would you do? Oh, man, I'm getting off on, on rabbit trails. Why would you make rules to affect an entire nation for two or three people unless you're in a position to make those rules? And when you're down on the bottom, you want everybody to be fair. But when you're in the position to make those rules, you're not. Brother, I'm telling you what, you're in a world... You better, now I'm going to get back to this. You better get to this book and you better start believing that book. And you better throw all this stuff out there that means absolutely nothing. Throw it away, get rid of it, and come back to this book. Unconditional election, I don't believe that. Total, limited atonement, I don't believe there's that. And when he said, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There is no limited atonement. There is not, here's, here's the definition of limited atonement. Asserts that Jesus' substitution, that means what he did on the cross, the blood he has that he shed at Calvary. Asserts that Jesus' substitutionary atonement was uh, def, uh, definite and certain in its purpose and, and in what it accomplished. This implies that only the sins of the elect were atoned for by Jesus' death. That's not true. He died for everybody. He died for both thieves on that cross. One thief, it looks like he died and went to a place called hell. The other thief was in paradise because he said that. However, it doesn't say that that other thief never got saved. It doesn't say that. What it says is they're yelling back and forth, and then it focuses in on the conversation between the, between the Lord and this thief, or the Lord and the thief. And he says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Uh, I tell you what, if this guy over here had any brains at all, I would have been figuring out real quick, what did you just do, man? How come all of a sudden I would have sit there on this side on the cross over here and looked over and said, what changed you, man? You, you were like me a few minutes ago. Now all of a sudden you're not the same way. What happened to you? And then this guy over here probably goes, hey, I just found, I knew that that was the Lord. I just trusted. That's what you ought to do. And, and then this guy over here would say, oh, hey, and then you never know. I wouldn't put one thing past the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what he did is he shed enough blood at Calvary to atone for every sin of every person that ever was born. Irresistible grace. I don't believe in irresistible grace. You can fight it. They were preaching up there, and one kid came up. There was four people raised their hands uh, that said they were lost or that they had never trusted Christ. And uh, one of them went to Brother Miles' church. Both Two of them actually did. And uh, one of them that didn't get saved, Brother Miles said that he had made a profession earlier uh, at another camp that they went to the year before. And, and he said, he goes, when I get back to Dayton or back to where our church is, he said, I'm going to start really sitting down with this kid and trying to figure out what's going on if he doesn't get it here. You know what that tells you? Just because you made a profession somewhere don't mean this kid next year raised his hand again. Oh, well, well you know what some people do is they'll raise their hand and say, well, I raised my hand one time. I remember Sarah. Sarah's not here right now, so I'll say this because she's not here. Uh, she got saved several times. And I told her one day, we were sitting here talking, and she, and she was going to get saved again. Because she just never was sure in her heart about her salvation. I said, Sarah, here's the deal. I said, I am saved, and I'm on my way to heaven. And one of these days, I'm going to be sitting at the judgment seat of Christ, or actually at the white throne judgment. Because if you're lost, you're going to go to the white throne judgment. This is my daughter. And I'm like, and... I said, I'm going to be sitting there, and the Lord can say, hey, Mike, come here. I said, yes, sir, Lord, what do you want? And he goes, take this little girl and throw her into hell. I said, Sarah, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to throw you in hell so fast, it's going to make your head spin. And I said, and I won't even bat an eye at that. She looks at me like, 
Oh, you know, she got saved and she has never had a problem with that since. Amen. That's my daughter. I'm telling you, what's wrong with most of us is we won't sit down and say, hey, did you? Guess what? My salvation is not hers. And I, if I could give somebody my salvation, believe me, if I could rip that thing out of my soul and give it to somebody, I'd do it in a heartbeat because I know exactly how to get it back. I can't. You know, what I can do is I can try my best to get, the, get it across to them. And hopefully there's somebody else out there trying their best to get it across to them. And somewhere down the road, somebody gets to them. And they get it. And their minds open up just like that thief on the cross did. The Lord is sitting there, irresistible grace. The Lord is sitting there 24-7 ready to save anybody that wants to get saved. And the moment the words come out and it's really there, the Lord said, today thou shalt. Today, not five minutes from now, not six years from now. Total ir irresistible grace. I don't believe there's irresistible grace. I believe you can have, you are not going to get saved because you don't. You're, it's a choice. It's a free will choice. That means that if it's a free will choice, you knew when you got saved or you didn't. My dad did that. I, I said, I'm going to shut up because Jerry doesn't ring the bell on me. It's 1050. 30 years later, I talked to him. I would have never thought. I was only 27 years old when I talked to him. I would have never thought in my life my dad was saved. I would have thought he was on his way to hell. The way he lived his life, just because somebody lives a certain way, don't think they're lost. They just could be really messed up or never grew. That ought to be, you ought to be thankful. If you're even at a place where you see somebody like that, you ought to say, Lord, thank you that you got me where I'm at. Not arrogant-wise, but just that, hey, you could have been the same way. And when he told me he was saved and gave me a day, hour, and minute 30 years earlier he got saved, I was like, ain't no way, man. <laughs> you were a drunk in a bar and everything. You took me. I said, there ain't no way you could be saved. The Lord said, hey, how would you like me to run you through what he went through? See how you come out, big boy. I'm like, nope. Done, done, done. <laughs> I'm done. If he's saved, he's saved. I tell all I can say, you don't know what it is, but you know what happens is a lot of times they say it's irresistible grace. He got the grace to get saved, but boy, it didn't do him too good. 30 years of his life was wasted. Why in the world would you want to waste 30 years of your life and, and waste it on what this filth in this world has? Oh, it's crazy. Uh, perseverance of the saints. I do kind of believe in this one. Asserts that, that since God is sovereign and his will cannot be frustrated by humans, which it can, uh, or anything else, uh, those whom God has called into communion with himself will continue in faith until the end. That's not necessarily true. Uh, I would love to say that everybody does the right thing. I would love to say I do the right thing in perfect communion with God all the time. And I don't. My will all, a lot of times clashes with his. Now, get back to the thing and I'll be done. He said, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. The babies were in the womb. Calvinism goes beyond back here and said that they were elected before the foundation of the world and that neither one of these kids had the, the thing. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. That is a sad thing. I mean, a bowl of beans. I love beans. But I'm sorry, man. I am not giving you my salvation for a bowl of beans. I like, my, I like beans. I like taters. But you can keep the beans and taters when it comes to serving Jesus Christ. And the question is, is why won't people just serve Jesus Christ? Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. I know there was some stuff in here, Lord, that's a little rough to take probably on Sunday morning. But, uh, Lord, there's so many different religions out there that are teaching false doctrines. They don't match the Bible, Lord. And, and Lord, when you sit down and talk with them, they, they can't even bring the Bible into the picture because it's just what they've been told. Lord, the Bible has to be able to tell us exactly what to do and how to do it. And, and Lord, how to correct the fallacies in our lives. And Lord, I just thank you that uh, 
43 years ago, you put me in a Bible. Not in Bible college, Lord, in a Bible. And, and for 43 years, I've been in that book. And, Lord, uh, every, every time I come to something that I don't understand, I, I back away from it just a little bit and try to figure it out and, and see where it matches. It has to match from Genesis to Revelation, Lord, or, or there's something wrong. Uh, Lord, help us always hear that small, still voice inside of us, Lord, that, uh, which is the Holy Spirit trying to teach us and, and guide us and direct us like you said the Comforter would do. Uh, and show us where we need to slow down and, and study. The Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. Lord, we need to rightly divide this thing and look at it and, and know exactly what it is. Lord, I pray that for the morning service that you'd bless, and we'll praise you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I didn't get too far at all.